Hi, this is Jeff Dixon. I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami, and I'm glad you've chosen today to listen to our podcast. Now, as Christians, so many times we are guilty of being judgmental. We're guilty of pointing fingers and all around just being disgusting. And I use that word very carefully. As you listen to today's podcast, I want you to think about the fact that as the Holy Spirit has been given to us, He has been given to us in a way that impacts our countenance, our attitude, and makes us just joyful, happy, great people to be around. I hope that this podcast will enlighten your understanding of how the Holy Spirit impacts the way we live our lives and an outward expression. I hope through this you will be filled with joy, filled with enthusiasm, and there will be an outward expression of what God has done in your life. Enjoy. God bless. Have you ever had, well, we all have. We've all had that day. I think that day, um, okay, let me, let me try to explain what I mean by that day. The, the day that we can remember. Now, there's old enough, oh, people old enough in the room that remember, let's see, the day that JFK was killed. Uh, remember where they, whoever you are, mom, dad, you know where you were. You can recount the moment. I, I remember uh, sitting in school the day that the Murrah Federal Building here in Oklahoma was, was bombed. I remember that day. It was, I was uh, in high school, and, and I remember that every classroom I was in, teachers were bringing in um, TVs, and we were streaming the news. We weren't streaming. There was no such thing then, but we were watching the news that they were broadcasting um, when you could actually pick up TV on a normal antenna and didn't have to have all this fancy stuff. I remember, how about this one? I think the majority of us, if we're somewhat adults and it began to, our hair has begun to change colors or change locations, um, we remember 9-11. 9-11, do you remember that day? Uh, I, I can, so here's the deal. I was working for a gentleman um, that was building a house in a gated community in northwest Arkansas. Those of you who are from northwest Arkansas would know Pinnacle, Pinnacle Country Club. And uh, it was all the way in the back. It was a very large, 10-plus thousand square foot home. And that day I was out laying pipe in a French drain, helping. Well, I wasn't helping. I was doing it all with no clue what I was doing. That tended to be most of what I did for him. Hell, we'll have Jeff figure it out. Then I won't have to pay him as much. Whatever. But... um, no, I don't think it was quite like that. My primary role was to clean up after the construction workers. But I remember I was driving a blue Jeep Wrangler hardtop with the square headlights. My favorite of all time vehicles, I'll just tell you that. I loved that truck. But I remember everybody was freaking out. Do you remember the gas runs? Everybody had to go get gas. Um, I was like, it'll pass. I did not go get gas. Fortunately, I didn't miss out on anything. Two days later, I was able to get gas at normal prices. Um, but I, I just, I remember the shock. I remember thinking, my wife and I are going to be getting married in, in a month, and less than a month, and are we going to be able to do that? Is the world still going to be here? Are we going to be able to um, make, m- make our plans? Are we, okay, I grew up in church. Let's get a little real. Am I going to be able to do what I'm going to be able to get to do for the very first time come my wedding night? All these things were really going through my mind. Let's get a little real. I know there's kids in the room, so we'll keep it at that. But, but I was, there was all kinds of things going through my mind. Am I going to, are we going to be able to travel just by car to go on our honeymoon? I, really, literal, literal things going through my mind. But what is your that 
day? Is it, is it 9-11? There's younger ones in the room. I don't know what you might have. What's that where you can recall some news that happened? Maybe it was the loss of a loved one or the, just the change of a housing situation. My kids have recently moved here. They may have remembered the day we told them we were moving. I don't know, but we all have that day, right? I think we could agree with that. Um, so I want to talk today about a that day opportunity on a positive light of things. Today I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to look at an outward and visible expression. Now, before you get uh, on me, I want to talk about um, what happens on our countenance when the Holy Spirit invades our lives. Uh, turn with me if you have your Bibles. Uh, I don't have anything beyond that screen right there, so you're going to have to do, the, do some looking up uh, to John chapter 20. <laughs> John chapter 20. And be in the ESV translation if you're in your U version. In verse 19, John 20, 19. And it opens up, says, on the evening of, oh my goodness, there's that day. Now you know why I'm talking about that day for a moment. On the evening of that day, this was a day for the disciples that would forever transform some things because this is, for many of them, there, there are those in this room that would experience something that had been talked about and prophesied going all the back all the way back even to the time of Hosea all the way back into the old testament there was this setting up of things that would happen that had been talked about dreamed about and hoped for by the jewish people and here it is on the evening of that day that day that they'd only hoped for and they've they've watched their their teacher, their savior. Some of them have had the revelation that he's the Messiah. He's the, the one sent from heaven, sent by God that is God in flesh and has walked among them and they've watched him hang upon a cross and they, they watched him die before they, their very eyes and they, they have seen his body laid in a tomb. They have recognized that the one that they have grown to follow love, they've watched him perform miracles. They've watched him raise the dead. They've watched him turn water into wine. They've watched him do things like outward expressions of, of, of le- lepers where they were completely healed, that the, the sores and the issues upon their bodies were no longer visible, blind eyes open. They've seen the miraculous upon his life, and now they're gazing upon him, and he is no longer before him. They is just a shell laying there. So here it is, three days, literally three days later, and it is that day. It's the first day of the week. This is like today, the first day of the week and they're in a room, they're in fear of their lives, they think retaliation is upon them, that just as has happened to their one that they follow is going to happen to them, so they've locked themselves in a room, it says the doors were locked and the disciples were for fear of the Jews, and Jesus came and stood among them, wait a minute, we'll, we'll set the stage here, the doors were locked. They were in an enclosed room. There was no entrance. There wasn't somebody at the door occasionally letting people in and out. They were secure in a room in hopes, actually in, in, in total security, knowing that no one was going to get in there. And all of a sudden, Jesus has come and he stood among them and he has said to them, Peace be with you. What an interesting encounter The last time they had seen Jesus, he was either on the cross or being laid in a tomb, lifeless, without breath. The last expression was death. And now, 
They're in a room in fear and Jesus walks in. And I'm going to tell you today that the moment Jesus invades your life, the moment that Jesus walks in, no matter what turmoil, no matter what's going on in your situation, no matter what fear is in front of you, whether it's fear to accomplish greater things than you've ever thought you could accomplish, or whether it's fear of your own life because of where you've been or what you've done, whether it's fear regardless of what ends of the spectrum it is, when Jesus walks into the room, First off, it's going to be a miraculous walking in. But second off, it's going to be a peaceful appearance of the king. And he says to them, peace be with you. And I like this expression because he walks in. And not only does he walk in, but he has to express that something peaceful is going to walk in and be among them. It's almost like he is prophesying to them something that is about to happen. He walks in and he says, peace be with you. See, Jesus came through the walls and I can't help but think that this is the very moment in which uh, the kingdom of God and this natural realm, this eternal or the eternal versus the temporal have collided. They've invaded into one room and you see something that transcends space and time, if I can put it that way, that transcends any kind of matter, and he's just walked through and invaded this place. So we've got this visual expression of kingdom and this realm that we have to live in called flesh and bone and reality that we think. And I want to let you know with total freedom today that reality isn't always reality just because we can touch it and taste it and smell it and feel it. And if I can run in directly into that wall, that isn't necessarily reality. Just because we get reports that say one thing, we've got to realize the kingdom of God transcends. It absolutely crushes what the reality of this world tells us. If Jesus can demonstrate here we can see that he's able to do greater things. So here we have him. He's walked into the room in verse 20. It says, when he had done this, he's walked in. He's told them that peace is going to be with them. He shows them his hands to prove who he is. And his disciples, they were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, Even so, I am sending you. What a crucial moment here in which peace has invaded. And now he is declaring, I'm going to send you. So verse 22, something really interesting happens. He says this and then he breathes on them and he says, receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say, if you forgive the sins of any... They are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And I began to review that line right there, just that sentence right there. And I began to wonder, does that mean that I can just simply go up to somebody and say, your sins are forgiven? Is it that simple? And as I was looking this over, I began to get this picture of the, the, the events that have happened in this passage of Scripture, the things that have been building upon. And it's really a building upon building. You see, Jesus enters, He declares peace, then He gives some kind of a commission, and then He gives the power behind the commission. But you've got to recognize right here that there is something that He has breathed upon His disciples in this very room that has caused some kind of expression that is going to motivate them to do something when they walk out of this room. He's breathed on them. The one that we'll later read in the second chapter of Acts, if we go and study this further outside of these four walls in here, that there's going to be a power that you will receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what is that power to do? It's to be my witness. So as I was looking at this, I 
came to realize that this forgiving of sins or withholding is simply withholding the message of denying people the power of the forgiveness of what God has to offer. And when the Holy Spirit is truly evident in my life, then the message naturally is poured forth from what I am. If the Holy Spirit has been breathed upon me through the peace that Jesus has demonstrated upon invading my life, and sometimes we're pretty hard-headed, sometimes we are closed off walls, but sometimes He does get a hold of us and He invades the space in which we are occupying ourselves. He walks in bringing this peace, breathing upon us the Holy Spirit, empowering us to go out and be catalysts for forgiveness, we must then do something with what He has done in our lives. We can't contain it. We can't hold it in. We can't keep it within these four walls. And we must be allowed somehow to be this outward expression of what God has done in our lives. You see, Jesus has started something even here. Before He has gathered His disciples and given Him what we call the Great Commission, before He has gathered them together and and He's told them how to live this life, He has begun to do something in their lives. And I'd say He's begun to do something in our lives that has begun to set the precedent for how we should live and why He gave us the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit's been given to give us great benefits. I love that we can speak in tongues and we can prophesy and we can have gifts of faith and gifts of healing and all of these great things. But more than any of that, the Holy Spirit is going to do something with an outward expression on our lives that will allow us to do something when we walk outside of these four walls that will make an infectious encounter upon the city that we live in. So we must have an outward expression of what the Holy Spirit has done in our lives. Which leads me to what we kind of talked about Wednesday night. And what I want to spend the remaining time together today addressing. And that is this outward expression. So go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at just verses 15 through 21. Just six powerful verses. And this is an interesting scripture here. Because it's going to seem like it's riddled. We talked about this again. It's going to seem like it's riddled with contradictions. But yet it's not contradicting itself in a negative way. It's trying to bring light to how we should be. For example, verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of your time. Because the days are evil. Therefore... So we've, we've got this set up by Paul as he's addressing the church of Ephesus. And he's saying, I'm getting ready to tell you something that is going to line up with this way of walking. That it is a wise way and it is the very best use of your time. And then here's the big juxtaposition. What a fun word of, of words here. And it says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. We tried to use this scripture for years and years and years and focus in on this. But the point isn't do not get drunk with wine. The point comes following this when he says, being drunk with wine, it's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Philip's translation says, let the Spirit stimulate the soul. 
As we look further into this, this being filled with the Spirit is this keep on being filled. This continual being filled. It's this be being filled. It's this ongoing expression. It's something that must happen in my life on a daily, a moment by moment, an hourly time. This is this expression that has to happen, this encounter with God that isn't a one-time encounter. It's this ongoing thing. It's this lifestyle But yet, why on earth would Paul make, it's really a comparison of getting drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. Would you think that maybe, maybe just as when being drunk with wine has an outward expression upon my countenance, upon my way of acting, that maybe being drunk or being filled with the Spirit has an outward expression upon my acting, upon my countenance, upon the way I respond? Hmm an interesting thing. It's more of a comparison than anything. And once you've tapped into this encounter with the Spirit, once we find this place, then I'm going to just tell you there's nothing, there's no high, there's no feeling of we say libation. I don't know. There's nothing that, that addresses the, the, the best way of how to feel great than this encounter, this filled, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to give another kind of further description of what it looks like when we're in this filled state. And then he says in verse 19, after we've been filled with the Spirit, comma, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Doesn't this seem like a great party? I kind of I, I kind of feel like we're in a tavern or something, just, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like there's some kind of really cool thing going on where we're addressing each other and having a good old time in the presence of God. This is a joyful expression. Listen, as we are fully filled and continually being filled, as we stay in encounter with the presence of God through what the Holy Spirit has for us, we ought to be the most joyful people around. We ought to be the most contagious, the most infectious people that anyone has ever met. We ought to be the people that people want to be like. But my experience has been that You're a Christian. I want nothing to do with you. You're mean. You're highly opinionated. You point out my faults. You're better than me. Does that at all seem like what I've just described? You see, we are fun people. We have encounters with the living God. And that doesn't make us better. That makes us happy. That doesn't make us uh, a judgmental. That make, makes us forgivers. Why on earth do we go around pointing our fingers in people's face? We ought to be wrapping our arms around people's shoulders. And let the Holy Spirit do the same thing that he's done in us. And he has done the transforming power. I, I, before Jesus was worthless, with Jesus, I've got value and worth. 
Without Jesus, I was just another sinner, a heathen who knew no better. With Jesus, I have been made right. And that righteousness has made the good. So, what's this look like again? We've got singing and psalms and making melodies and having a joyful heart. So, I want to give one more real strong example of when we have encountered the Holy Spirit, that there's a visible, a visible sign that something's different in us. That, and, and that it's... it's I know it seems kind of weird, but it is somewhat akin to being a little on the inebriated side. I'm not saying we're going to all be stumbling around, but whatever. Let us freely receive whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives today. Why not be a little crazy for Jesus? We just heard, was it last week? We talked about David being a little undignified. It might have been the week. Yeah, I think it was last week. He got a little crazy in the presence of God. Why, why are we so reserved? Why do we reserve ourselves to stuffed shirt encounters with the presence of God? That when we come in and we sing about how awesome he is, we're like, and that's as far as we get. He has saved us from hell. He has rescued us to a life encountering the very presence of God. To enjoy the benefits of heaven. But yet we come into church and we're like, I'm free. Free forever. Amen. You know, we, we drive down the road and we look at the car to our right and the person over there is singing their hearts out to name something that's not Jesus. I mean, they're getting it in and they've got their finger all the way up past their eye socket through their nose. I don't know, I just was thinking of the person the other day that was picking their nose and singing away. No inhibitions whatsoever. I think I said that right. We come into church around other people that are apparently are supposed to be as in love with Jesus as the other person. And we're like, I'm free. Or when you walk into their, we love you. We'll never stop. I'm, are you, I'm ready to get a little crazy for Jesus. The only reason I can't go running is I'm wired. I trip and fall. As soon as I hit the end of my cord, I'd be like. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. This is the day when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Visible tongues of fire begin to speak in other languages. I imagine it's loud. Imagine they're exuberant in their expression. And in verse 12, it says, All were mermaids, that's a good word. All were amazed and perplexed. 
And they were saying to one another, what does this mean? And then others mocked and said, they are filled with new wine. They are drunk. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressing them, he said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you supposed. Why do you suppose they supposed that they were drunk? You think they were acting a little carefree in the presence of God? It's like the man I read on Facebook, I said this Wednesday night, he posted something that, now that I'm sober, not me, this is what he posted, he said, now that I'm sober, I've been sitting at a quick trip for 10 hours trying to get help to get my car started. But before, when I was on whatever, it would be nothing for me to approach somebody and get help. The inhibitions of lack of sobriety, the inhibitions of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says as you, there, it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be God. God declares that I will, listen to this word, pour. Get the visual here. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out. This isn't a, and I'm done. This isn't a, have some of me. This is a pouring out. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Is anyone in this room excluded from the words that we just said here? You hear all flesh. It says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. This is the visible. This isn't a containable thing that happens. If we are holy, if we are saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled believers, why on earth do we not act like it? It's the question I asked Wednesday night and has really rocked me this week. If I was not filled with the Holy Spirit, if I didn't have any encounter with the Holy Spirit, would I be any different than I am today? And you know what I had to answer the first part of this week? I don't know that I'm living a Holy Ghost life. Just being real with you. I don't know that I'm living a Holy Spirit-filled life. I think I could go and be a Christian and have no other difference in my life But I want to be this. Jesus has walked in. He's brought peace. He's breathed upon me the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has now empowered me. There's now this outward expression. And I am just a little bit crazy for my Jesus. I'm just a little bit. No, I'm just a lot crazy. I might be a little bit embarrassing to some of you all that haven't had the same encounters. Why not? And it's not a putting off kind of encounter. People will be drawn to what we have. Continuing on, and even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders. This is, this is the continuation. I don't just get sloppy drunk in the Holy Ghost to be worthless. 
I'm making a difference here in people's lives. And I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes and great and the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What would happen if our joy, our exuberance, our freedom in the Holy Ghost had people coming to us in droves wanting to have what we have and all we had to do was tell them, Jesus, I was nothing without him. I'm everything with him. This is what he did. If you want it, come to him. And they're like, I want it. And our community was being saved left and right. See, with this, we become outwardly brave. With this outward bravery, we demonstrate the goodness of God. And it's all based on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So my question for you today is the same question that I asked just a second ago of myself, and I want to ask you. Would you be any different without the Holy Spirit in your life? If you just, based on today, where you've been, how you've been responding, would you be any different if you remove the equation of the Holy Spirit from your life? As far as action, would people see, would you be appear to people the same with or without the Holy Spirit? And not in a condemning way at all. I think we're in a place today where we need to just say, Lord, fill me like that. And the real question is, begins with the, 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 it goes back to the beginning. Has Jesus walked in? Has he walked into your closed off Space. Have you experienced him in your closed off space? <laughs> well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, WLMiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.